Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to How to Pass NCLEX. We are going to be talking about the very interesting topic of post-traumatic stress disorder. So if you are about to take your NCLEX exam, you are in the right place here at remarnurse.com. We want to make sure that everyone ends up with their nursing license. And not only that, but the career of their dreams. That's also so important. So I have an amazing start. I'm doing Monday motivation first. I'm flipping Monday motivation first. So I actually have a real Remar nurse here. And I am so happy that she's taking time out of her busy schedule to talk to us. So hello, tell me where you are, where you're from. I'm in Florida. I'm from Jamaica. Perfect. And what are you happy about? I'm happy about getting my license. <laughs> it's right here. Oh, you have it. Amazing. Okay. When did it come? When did you take NCLEX? Tell, tell us your story. I, I took NCLEX on February 1st. Okay. So just recently. And did you yeah. take NCLEX RN or NCLEX PN? NCLEX RN. NCLEX RN. Was this your first time taking it? Yes, it was. Okay. And... How did you prepare for it? Let us know how you had that success. I used Remarners. The only thing I did differently from Remarners was I did the questions on Passpoint. Okay. And Nurse Achieve, but everything else was Remarners. Okay. What did you find the most challenging when it came to preparing for NCLEX? What My anxiety. Your anxiety, okay. Was that something that you had in nursing school? Yes, I always had test, test anxiety, mm -hmm. but it was worse for the NCLEX. I can imagine, I can imagine. So what are some of the things that you did to help you that somebody may be watching and struggling with test anxiety and they need to know how they're going to take this test? What are some things you mm -hmm. think that helped you looking back? <sighs> support, the support I got. Okay. All right. And how, um, how long did you study for? I finished nursing school in December. Okay. And then you so, started studying in December. So two months. Basically. Yeah. That's great. I think that's a, I think that is a realistic time frame to prepare for your NCLEX exam. Now, the night before the exam, did you study? No, but I wanted to. Okay. All right. Did you do all of the V2 videos? I did all the V2 videos. I read the quick facts. The quick facts. Okay. Once. One yes. time. Okay. And I did the, the workbook one and a half times. Perfect. And would you say that nursing school prepared you? Do you think you could have passed NCLEX if you had not done an NCLEX review? No. What are some new things or what are some things that you learned in the English? I learned a lot of things because like throughout nursing school, I did not understand like the EKG reading, the strips and all of that. Mm -hmm. But when I started listening to your lectures, you made it like so easy to understand. Perfect. Perfect. So I, I like the way you break things down. You just make everything easy to understand, much easier than the lectures we get at school. So you would 
you would say that taking an NCLEX review is necessary in order to pass NCLEX. Would you say that? It is. It is very, very necessary. And I keep sending, whenever I get the links from you, I send them out to my friends. I keep telling everybody. Thank you so much for doing that. So now that you have your nursing license, what are you going to be doing? Oh, I'll still be working at Advent Health Oncology mm -hmm. Department because that's where I've been working. Okay, so what were you doing before you became a registered nurse there? I was an advanced nurse tech. And then now I start my nursing residency on the 25th. How exciting is that? How exciting is that? And I, I love that you already have experience with your healthcare organization. So you're, you're essentially leveling up to be getting paid yes. more and to be getting more responsibilities. Congratulations. Um, congratulations. <laughs> and people that are watching right now, what advice would you give them um, if they have a test date coming up soon? Like if somebody's testing next week, what would you tell them? There'll be people around you telling you, you can't do it. Don't listen to them. Because my NCLEX coach that I was assigned to, she told me I was taking the exam too early. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I love that advice. I think that's very real. You have just, to be positive. Just believe in yourself mm -hmm. and know that as long as you, you listen to the lectures, you read the books, you're good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Nurse Smith from Florida by way of Jamaica, yes. uh, representing today for our Remar nurses. Yes. Thank you so That's much great. for your time. All the blessings to you. God bless you. Thank you very much. And keep on doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Love that. Oh, isn't that good? I love that. I love her testimony. New grad, even though new grad said, I'm going to take an NCLEX review. I'm going to prepare appropriately for this exam. I think that anybody that is pursuing a nursing license should consider the NCLEX prep process because it is not something that you just commonly know. Get into the V2 right now um, to get those results. I'm telling you, you will, you will be amazed at how much you will learn. And check this out. We have now added a six-month, a six-month, value. All right. Time frame for you to enjoy the information. You could even do it while you're in nursing school, but you just have a longer time. This is new for the V2. We are advancing the technology to give you guys what you asked for. Um, we have a lot of nursing students that say, I need longer than three months. I'm an international nurse. I know it's going to take me longer. What can you do for me? So V2 is for the people. V2 is for the people. All right. I have another Remar nurse that I just want to talk to as well. Hello. How are you? Hi. Good. Nice to see you, Regina. <laughs> nice to be seen, Nurse Shonda. Now, please tell me your story. Where are you from? What's going on? You just passed NCLEX. Yes, ma'am. So I'm calling in from Madison, Alabama. Um, I just finished nursing school back in December. Okay. And I took NCLEX February 1st. Same. Oh, same as our last nurse. Yes. Wow. What made you decide? Well, let me ask you this. Did you do an NCLEX review in school? Did your school give you an NCLEX review? 
Yes, they did. They actually used something called NERSYNC, but it kind of went way over my head. It was something I had never even heard of. We did it like the, I think the first or second month of nursing school. And okay. it was like a three-day review, two or three-day review. All right. And then it was mostly lectures. You sat in a classroom. We sat in the classroom all day, long lectures. Okay. <laughs> so after you finished your nursing program, how did you find Remar? Um, actually, a friend of mine that I was in nursing school with, she was in the um, NSA Association and they were having like a... Um, uh, orientation for the new um, oncoming nursing students yeah. and they was giving out your your uh, Remar books here no what look My <laughs> and I had never seen it before so I was um, I was inquiring about it my friend was like well I had this book that we were passing out so she was like well here you could use this and yeah. to be honest, um, I actually used your program to help me pass my HESI. And I had scored over a thousand on my HESI and it helped me with the NCLEX as Wait well. Wait a minute. Back that up. Back that up. <laughs> so you had to take a HESI exit to graduate? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And how did you use Remar to help you with that? Like you, what would you do? How'd you do it? So with your B2 program, I noticed that you had like an outline. Let me see if you can see it. The outline of the days of what to uh, study, yeah. with all the topics. So I kind of followed that and I printed out each of the subjects that I was going to be studying and just went along with the videos. I rewatched your videos multiple times because I'm like, I'm a visual learner as well as hands-on in your videos, especially like with the ECGs and labor and delivery, that all that stuff helped me big time in ABGs definitely helped me. Wow, <laughs> my mind is blown because you are the first person that's been able to articulate how you did that. Mm -hmm. Because I, I know people ask, can this help me with HESI exits? And I say, yes, but definitely. you laid out the process of how you did it. Yeah. Um, and so when you graduated and passed your HESI with over a thousand, which is mm -hmm. incredible, like that is insane. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to prepare for NCLEX after that? Actually, um, since I had used your program, I think I started back in December, not December. Um, I want to say November or October. I was just using that to help prepare for HESI since we had to take our HESI like December the 3rd. Okay. And then I just continued using that until I passed my NCLEX as well. I am so <laughs> proud of you for doing that work. So you only took NCLEX one time, right? One time. HESI once, NCLEX mm -hmm. once. And this is the way to do it. I, mm -hmm. I am just like, I, I tell people a, a lot that if you put in the work, you do your due diligence, you right. can get the results. You can pass the NCLEX exam, but it is not something that you're just going to casually do. You have right. to prepare for it. What kind, of, what kind of things did you cut out or sacrifice while you were preparing for NCLEX? Um, the biggest sacrifice was not being able to spend enough time with my husband and my daughter. I have a 14-year-old daughter, and in my husband, we sacrificed a lot with me being in the program. I stopped working at the end of 2021. I was a medical assistant yeah. 
for six and a half years. And so I decided to pursue nursing because I, I just love helping people. So just yeah. time with family and not being able to do stuff like go out yeah. and hang out. That, it was a lot of sacrifice with yeah. that. I can imagine. So now what are you going to be doing that you have your license? I'm currently working in a step down ICU um, at the hospital right up the street from where I live. <laughs> okay. What's the name of the hospital that you're working at? Madison Hospital. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> Represent Alabama. How good, yeah. it, how good did it feel to get that nursing license after being a medical assistant and essentially transitioning out of one career into another career? It's rewarding. Definitely a blessing. Um, one of the main reasons of why I wanted to become a nurse is because my husband has sarcoidosis in his lungs. So I really wanted to know how I could be there for him and help him, you know, during his down days. Wow. You are truly a nurse at heart. Like truly you are Thank a nurse you. at heart. And um, you. I know you will be a blessing to your family. Thank um, you. And I pray now that all of the sacrifice that you had to do temporarily comes back to you as more time with your family, more memories and yes, better health overall, because you have the knowledge, you have the knowledge to empower, empower that to happen in your yes. family. So thank you so much for coming. Here. I know you're very busy, but honestly, seeing your face today was a huge blessing for our community uh, and you and, um, our other nurse, Nurse Smith, your real testimonies. Um, I want people to understand that you have struggles, you had challenges, mm -hmm. and you could have made a lot of excuses to why you didn't go after this dream, but you did not. And now yeah. you're here. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I ask this question all the time. I ask people all the time who's watching, who's next? Who's next to pass their NCLEX? What would you tell somebody that was testing tomorrow? I would definitely say um, preparation is key. Um, if nursing is your dream, go after it. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. What God has for you will be for you. So pursue that dream and yes. don't give up. You may not get it on the first go, but keep going until you can. That's right. You did <laughs> not come this far not right. to have your license. Exactly. You keep going. Perseverance is key. Thank you so much, Nurse Shonda. Congratulations all the way to you representing Alabama today. You did it. Um, I'll see you later. All right. Bye. Yes, this is Monday Motivation. You guys, listen. Love it. Guess what else is happening in all of this goodness? We still have Love Your Content, which drops tonight. Don't miss this opportunity. This is my free NCLEX review during the Valentine's season. I only do this one time a year. So you don't want to miss this review. It's two days. Download and print your workbook because class starts tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also will have another class tomorrow night. This is a great week. Look how it's starting off. Look how this week is starting off. This is a great week. Monday and Tuesday, we will be together finishing the workbook. I had the workbook here. Um, so make sure that you have it. Where is my workbook at? There it is. <laughs> make sure that you have this workbook. This is information that is not in V2 structurally. So the workbook will be um, guiding you for the class. 
no game night, two days doing our simulations. We'll be doing simulations from this workbook. Okay. All right. So we have that going on. Also, there is a sale for the V2. People were asking me, when are you doing the sale? Check this out. I want you to understand what now V2 is capable of, what we have unlocked for you. So one month access, $69. This is for RN and PN. We don't charge more because you're a PN. Um, so 30 days into the program, you also get the Quick Facts book for this price, one month, $69. If you wanna do the three month, Subscription to the V2, that is going to be 109. That's going to be 109. Used to be $169 for three months. It is now only $109. And look for six months, you can be in the V2 studying, preparing. It can help you through nursing school, your HESI exit exams, and even into your NCLEX. And right now, this is the introductory price for that subscription to V2. So great things all around. We are definitely doing the technology improvements that you are requesting for V2. It's able to do some amazing things now. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's move into it. Let's move into PTSD. You hear a lot about this topic on movies, in the media. Um, you hear people saying it now. It's a it's like a buzzword, like, oh, I have PTSD after doing Black Friday shopping. Or if you see a, you know, a bad movie, people will say that movie gave me PTSD. But there are some things that we have to understand about this clinical, um, this clinical presentation for the NCLEX exam. And the reason why I want to go over this is because, of course, it is in my Quick Facts book. It is in QuickSack's book, but also the things that people say about this condition in the media is typically wrong. The presentation of this disorder in the media is typically not clinically correct. So I want to make sure that we are um, clearing up some of those misunderstandings. What, what page is this on? Ah, 73. Yes, yeah, 73. So I was able to take some great notes on this. I'm going through my QuickFacts book with you. Because if I tell you to memorize it, then I should be studying this book just as often as I expect you to. So I was able to take some great notes. I'm going to share it with you today. So we're talking about PTSD. Remember, this is essentially a trauma disorder. This is a, this is a disorder of trauma that leads to stress. Now, it's very interesting because the physical changes that occur because of PTSD are linked to what? What are they linked to in the patient? They are essentially linked to memories, the past, right? You don't get PTSD from something in the future. You get PTSD from your memories. So think about the complex treatment that has to go into this condition, okay? And again, this is a stress-related, anxiety-based condition that leads to physical, social, and interpersonal changes, okay? Anxiety is something that many, many people struggle with. 
And a lot of people don't even know they have anxiety. They just have a pushing sense. When you have anxiety, it always feels like somebody or something is pushing you forward. Um, you feel anxious to get to the next place. You are worried about how something is going to turn out. You, you, we see it in NCLEX. You're nervous and you're scared about taking the NCLEX exam. And so that anxiety forces you to ignore the present. When you have anxiety, you cannot enjoy the present moment because you're constantly thinking about the past or you're worried about the future. PTSD is a past-related anxiety condition, okay? So those memories are what's driving, those memories are what's driving the trauma, all right? And so um, the trauma can come in many different forms. So I have here types of trauma and examples. A person can have a sexual relationship that had violence attached to it. So rape, childhood sexual abuse, or intimate or romantic partner violence. These are, con these are causes of PTSD. Interpersonal network traumatic experiences. So your network is the people around you um, who play important roles in your life. So people can have PTSD and, you know, this is a very sensitive topic and I see some people are sharing. Um, and so um, I guess we just have to be very sensitive to what the, the things that we see and the things that we are learning about each other, right? So an unexpected death of somebody you love can cause PTSD, can cause PTSD. People who lose parents or siblings. Um, I remember watching, it's something I didn't know. Have you guys ever seen the, the Ray Charles uh, movie that Jamie Foxx played Ray Charles? It was very good. I, I can't remember. I think it was just called Ray. Was it just called Ray? In that movie, it depicted how Ray Charles had a younger brother that had a traumatic death experience, right? He had a drowning accident. And in the movie, it, just, it showed how that incident, that unexpected death of his brother followed him throughout his entire life. And that definitely was a form of PTSD because how did he cope? Okay, how did he cope with that? You know, what are some things that, you know, he did to escape that initial trauma that he experienced as a child. Think about it. Um, and so, no, this is not the class. This is not the class for tonight at 8 p.m. This is our normal class that we do every every Monday at noon. Um, a family being diagnosed with a terminal illness. A family being diagnosed with a terminal illness is a unexpected event that causes you to consider how big your life will change, right? Um, interpersonal violence physical abuse or assault. Someone who was attacked on their way to the store may never want to go out and go to the grocery shopping again. They may just door dash things, right? Yes. Um, all these things. Another type of trauma here, exposure to organized violence. 
being kidnapped or um, being a civilian in a war zone, participation in organized violence. If you were in, somebody said, if you're in the army or if you are in the military, having to participate in organized violence can be extremely traumatic for you. Less threatening traumatic events, I'm sorry, life-threatening traumatic events, such as natural disasters, hurricanes, flooding, fires, all of those things can cause a um, trauma-based anxiety disorder, even a motor vehicle accident as well. There in the media, this is one thing I wanted to address, um, in the media, when you see PTSD, I feel like the majority of the time it's related to what type of background it is related to a military background. So someone who has seen something or have done something related to the military, when they come back home, they have a difficult time. They have a difficult time um, transitioning into their normal life. Yeah. Some of the risk factors with post-traumatic stress disorders are, of course, we've been talking about this, a history of violence, someone with less education as well. And to me, that just means that in general, someone who doesn't have the understanding or the resources to identify the symptoms that they're presenting with. And, and, that, and that can be anyone. You could have someone who's a college graduate that doesn't know the signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. And so they are suffering in silence. A lower socioeconomic status, childhood adverse, adversity, personal and family psychiatric history, also um, gender. Even though in the media, when you see PTSD, it is mostly what men who are in the military, right? For me, that's what I see mostly. Women are actually more likely to have PTSD, two times more likely to have PTSD than men. So it is um, primarily a female disorder. Thought that was so interesting. Poor social support and physical injuries. Physical injuries can also be risk factors. What are the cardinal signs, the clinical signs, the descriptive signs of PTSD? We have flashbacks. And flashbacks are essentially what? Flashbacks are a term that we use commonly. And it means a past memory coming up suddenly. You have a trigger and that memory comes up. Okay. Patients have severe anxiety, dissociative episodes, fleeing, fleeing, okay? They don't wanna be in the same place. Even if they are sitting in a room alone and they have a memory of them being attacked, even though that attack did not happen in the room, they wanna get up and leave. Okay. Emotional numbing, combative behavior. It's difficult to have interest in the things around you, your daily activities, and a detachment for others, an attachment from others. 
it definitely does affect the interpersonal relationships, interpersonal relationships. When you talk about your clinical judgment measurement model, these are the things that you have to be able to do when you are going through the case studies. Case studies are present on NextGen NCLEX. A case study will consist of six questions that you are expected to be able to answer about one particular case. One of these questions that you will encounter will always, always be analyze cues. You need to be able to analyze the circumstances that your patient is presenting with to, to say, mm, is this PTSD or is this something else? What am I getting from this patient in this moment? You have to be able to do that. So the DSM-5 criteria for PTSD and DSM, uh, I put it on here, is Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So what are the clinical, what are the cues for PTSD? You have to have exposure. This, this is important. You have to have exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. And it says here, actual or threatened because some thoughts are that you can have PTSD from electronic media. This criteria does not apply to electronic media. When I say electronic media, what am I talking about? Somebody just give me some examples just for the sake of our studying. What would be an example of electronic media that somebody might say, I have PTSD from, okay, PTSD. What would be some examples of that, that you as the nurse would have to understand not, not officially? No, you can't. So some, somebody says, okay, the news. Oh, yeah, the news. Okay, all right. A violent film. You guys are clicking with me now, okay? Um, cyberbullying, Xbox, a scary movie. Okay, bullying, yes, bullying. Um, Facebook, what? Oh, yeah, well, Instagram, viral videos, news, yes. Um, I was looking for one. even uh, photos, because sometimes you can come across a photo that's extremely graphic, especially on Instagram. What is what is that with Instagram? Um, but you can come across some very graphic things on Instagram. And these are all considered electronic-based medias, everything that you are naming here, electronic-based media. And so that would disqualify it from the PTSD, all right? Um, what is the difference between depression and PTSD? Depression, I, I feel like depression is not connected to trauma in the same way. Okay. Depression doesn't have to be connected to a specific type of trauma where here you see this is actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. This is a, um, 
a specialized type of experience that depression is more general. People can be depressed if, you know, they have a relationship breakup, right? If someone has a chemical imbalance and they suffer a bad relationship, then they can fall into depression, right? Uh, like a divorce, right? You see that happening. If people have a negative experience on their job, okay, they get fired from their job, they can fall into depression. And so it's, it's a little nuanced there. I think that's a great question. It's a great question though. All right. Um, okay. Also, you have a other analyzed cues thing says marked alteration in arousal and reactivity associated with the traumatic experience. So there is a hyper response to that memory, to that thought. So a person has the memory and what do they do? They get up and they run out of the room, okay? They have the memory and then they're unable to sleep all night because of that memory. Or they have the memory and then all of a sudden they attack somebody else in the room that has nothing to do with the situation at all. It is a, uh, a hyper arousal based off of that experience, okay? Um, the disturbance causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of function. The disturbance is not attributable to a physiological effect of a substance like medication, alcohol, or another medical condition. It is literally the trauma of the memories, okay? The trauma of the memories. Management, how do we manage this as nurses? Because remember, entirely our priority has to be the medical condition, all right? Catch that. Because when I did other topics where I were looking at psychological conditions, it's easy for us to fall into helping the person socially or economically. But that's not our job. Our job as nurses is to focus on what medical conditions are presenting at the moment. All right. So we have to maintain the safety of the client and others like ourselves. We help to reduce symptoms of distress related to intrusive re-experiences. Um, we reduce hyper arousal and avoidant behavior. So that's what we're trying to do, okay? Um, and not physically us doing it, but empowering our patient to have the tools to understand what's going on and things that they can do. We want to lessen the risk of relapse of symptoms and diminish anxiety related to the, the fear of it happening again the fear of recurrence. Also addressing related co comorbidities that may be present, for example, substance use disorder. So that is something that can cause another list of clinical symptoms for the patient or shorten their life. And then we have also improved adaptive and psychosocial functioning through psychotherapy, very often combined with pharmacologic management, right? The psychotherapy and the pharmacological uh, therapy 
are going to be in two different categories. So when it comes to psychotherapy, just understand these terms. You don't have to go into detail about what actual treatment looks like, but let's just use the definitions to have a general understanding. Trauma-focused therapy. What does that sound like? Trauma-focused therapy. If a therapist is using a trauma-focused therapy, what are they focusing on? What is going to be the main conversation? What is going to be the point of interest every time the patient sits down? What's it going to be? It's going to be the trauma, right? So this is an intentional, yeah, it's going to be about the trauma, whatever it was, if it was a rape, if it was um, sexual molestation, if it was a shooting or um, witnessing a crime of some sort, when you sit down, you will be discussing that. And it's like, well, is that such a great idea? How does that help? Well, it helps because people with PTSD tend to do what to the problem? What do they tend to do to the problem? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. They tend to avoid it. They tend to not want to discuss it. They tend to forget about it, right? Or try to forget about it. And so when you directly address the issue, the patient has the opportunity to use coping mechanisms. They have the opportunity to use things that will help to work through those feelings. So trauma-focused therapies is just what it sounds like. You're focusing on the trauma. Non-trauma-focused therapies are doing things that are not directly related to the experience, but allowing you to still play out coping mechanisms. So focusing on yourself, focusing on how you are feeling at the moment. Are you relaxed? Are you tense? Focusing on how you can discuss this with somebody else, all right? Being mindful of just how you're feeling. Is your schedule overloaded? You know, if you struggle with anxiety and you have a list of things that you need to do and you're looking at a long list of things, you're probably going to have some anxiety just based off the list. So being able to take things off your plate, that helps, right? So those are the psychotherapy routes. The pharmacological therapies are going to be the medication classes that you have to be familiar with if you're going to take NCLEX. Benzodiazepines. Everybody right now should know what a benzodiazepine is going to treat. Why do we give benzodiazepines? What are they doing? Are they for pain relief? Are they for sleep? What is a benzodiazepine for? It is going to be used. And I have here that it is for short-term use because we know that short-term use indicates that this is a medication that can become addictive. Okay, this is a psych medication that becomes addictive. So yes, benzodiazepines are used to treat anxiety. That's it. Is this something that somebody with PTSD will require? Hmm, more than likely. 
Okay. You have your antidepressants. You're expected to know these classes, tricyclic antidepressants, the MAOIs, the SSRIs, sedatives, anticonvulsants. Okay. Pay particular attention to the MAOIs and the SSRIs. These are in Quick Facts. In the pharmacology section for Quick Facts, you will find these class of medications. Study it. I also do lectures on these inside of the V2 as well. Psychiatric concepts and psychiatric medications are not focused on a lot in nursing school. Typically, you have one quarter, one semester where you're doing psych and you're learning basically everything in psych. So when it comes for you to take NCLEX, you absolutely need to review those major points of psychiatric conditions and psychiatric medications. Don't avoid that topic, okay? Um, Ceridoline is one of the drugs in particular that I wanted to just highlight for a second for those of you who don't have quick facts. This is your first time watching my broadcast. I focus on content here. I do not focus on just doing practice questions with you guys. You can get that anywhere, just random practice questions. I don't think it's the best way to prepare for a large exam, okay, like the NCLEX. Um, and I think the problem is we start studying like that in nursing school with a lot of different resources, and we want to continue that pattern for your NCLEX exam. However, because there are so many categories on the NCLEX and so much content that you can run across, when you're just studying from a question bank, you tend to have gaps in your knowledge because you just not, you haven't just reviewed the information. You're just doing questions, right? You can get, if you're, if you're doing a question from a question bank and you're doing PTSD, you may get a question on a medication and then the next question may be on signs and symptoms. But if you never get a question on the anxiety related to it, then you may miss that large point. All right. So we're doing the content and we're going to look at every important part of this topic before saying that we understand it. Okay. We're not just going to do a couple questions and be like, oh, I got it. No, we're going to look at everything that we need to know. So nursing consideration, allow client time for expression of grief and mourning and anger, provide shared decision-making for crisis intervention. This is also very important. Maintain a positive, consistent, honest, and non-judgmental attitude. Some people struggle with this. And then also understanding the response to pharmacological therapy. You, you, you got to know that this medication class that we're giving, how it's going to work, how quickly it's going to work, what are the side effects? And I see some people in our study group putting some of those important details about the MAOIs and the SSRIs in the comments. So when you come here, everybody should be having a notebook of some sort, or you could just do like I do. We said this was on page 73. I like to actually write stuff right into my quick facts things that I'm learning about the subject, I put it right into Quick Facts so that all of my notes are in one place. And there's a lot of room, there's always a lot of room in Quick Facts for writing in the margins. Okay. 
Okay. And again, this is, I keep bringing up, I keep bringing up V2 because if you have this book, you have half of my program and I'm challenging you to get the other part of it so that you can have a full NCLEX review. I'm getting too many messages from people asking, how do I incorporate YouTube? How do I incorporate, you know, what they're giving me in school, what my friend is using, the books I bought at Barnes and Nobles? Get everything in one place, because when you try to mix together a bunch of different resources from a bunch of different instructors, what it leads to is more confusion. You don't finish any program because you're just doing bits and pieces. And that ultimately is going to take you longer to get to the goal of passing NCLEX. All right. So get everything in one place. The quick facts, the V2 lectures and workbook all under the umbrella right there. And you get a question bank as well. And this is one of the differences of my program and whatever else anybody is telling you. I don't want you to use multiple different things. Stick with one resource, finish it in its entirety. You will feel a lot more com confident, all right? And if you haven't been doing that, change that NCLEX date so that you can do that. All right. That's more important. Some people are stuck because they feel like, oh, I scheduled my exam for February the, the 18th. Even though I know I'm not ready, I'm going to go in there and take the exam February 18th. No, 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 no. Move that test date so you can do what needs to be done. Tonight, you have another opportunity. You have another opportunity to study with me. Um, I'm doing a special presentation tonight and tomorrow night. It's called Love Your Content. And you're really going to love this because this is simulations, which I believe are the best way to prepare for next-gen NCLEX, particularly the case studies. So if you are ready to go tonight at 8 p.m., bust out that workbook, get your pencils, pens, and highlighters because we are going in to maternity. We're also be going to be going into the V2 as well, all right? So if you don't have a Valentine's, guess what? I'm here for you. Let everybody know I got a date this year for Valentine's Day. It's my nursing license. That's my date. Okay, so we did some um, we did some review on the content. Let's go into our questions. And guess what, guys? Because I love you so much and it's Valentine's Day, I am giving you the bonus question complimentary today. No work. Just relax, relax, relax. We're going to do all five questions on PTSD starting now. Okay, starting now. All right, so first question. Let's go. Question number one, a nurse is assessing a 20-year-old client for possible post-traumatic stress disorder following a motor vehicle collision. Which of the following questions are most important to determine the diagnosis? Okay. Number one, do you feel guilty for causing the accident? Two, do you hear unfamiliar voices? Three, what is the date today? Four, are you noticing changes in your body? <laughs> All right, what would you say? We have been talking about post-traumatic stress disorder and I told you guys, I'm gonna challenge you. 
because psychiatric conditions throw off your prioritization mind. For some reason, it's tough for us to prioritize sometimes when it's not a medical condition. So here I'm asking you, what is the most important question to determine if this is PTSD or not? What's the most important question? I see some ones, I see some twos. I see some ones, I see some twos. Very good, very good. Correct answer, you get it down to two, all right? Remember, if you understand PTSD, then you understand what typically causes it, okay? And it is not voices, okay? Patient not gonna hear voices. Um, Guilt, anxiety. Do you feel guilty for causing the accident? Okay. Clients with post-traumatic stress disorder often unconsciously and consciously recall the traumatic event from time to time. This will lead to overanalyzing the trauma and may end up, um, the person may end up blaming oneself or others for the traumatic event. Have you ever done that? where something um, negative happened to you and you just couldn't let it go and you just kept thinking about it. And what if I would have did this? Or what if I would have said this? Or maybe something would have changed. Oh my goodness, so common. Um, and so PTSD is essentially a prison. You're a prison of your mind. And we have to, um, we have to be able to distinguish the characteristics of PTSD from schizophrenia, okay, which is a different prison of the mind. All right, but you see these little these little nuances um, in psychiatric conditions. You have to be able to articulate, okay. You have to be able to articulate it for your NCLEX exam, and um, and we're praying for anyone who um, who is suffering from this because there are so many traumas that we encounter through our, li our lives, Lord, help us to be able to process and deal with these things in a healthy way. All right, question number two, let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. Um, it says this, oh, a nurse is assigned to a mental health clinic and is assessing clients who had traumatic events in the past, okay? Which of the following clients is most consistent with a patient with post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, so we're on the same page. You're, you have multiple clients that you're assessing. Who is most likely to have post-traumatic stress disorder? Number one, hopelessness and suicidal ideation. Two, selective memory loss and anxiety. Three, insomnia and anorexia. Four, elevated mood and hypervigilance, okay? Who is most likely to have this PTSD based off of, and you know, you know what makes this question so easy? If you get this question right and you're able to identify it right away, you know why you're able to do that? Because you have taken the time to review the content. It's the content, it's the content. It helps you with the questions. Cause this is a very difficult question, believe it or not. If I would just have given this to a general nursing student, a hundred percent, they would have chosen the wrong answer. 
Okay. The correct answer is number two. The correct answer is number two. Clients with PTSD tend to have selective memory loss to intentionally forget or avoid recalling the traumatic event. Avoidance is presented to combat the intrusive thought despite having a great deal of anxiety. Question number three, here we go. It says this. A client who witnessed a multiple homicide was having intrusive thoughts and severe anxiety. A diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder was made. As the nurse provides care, what is the initial priority? Number one, reducing the client's paranoia. Two, preventing the client's avoidance. Three, building the client's trust. Four, minimizing the cause of the intrusive thoughts. Okay, what are you going to go with here? Client, they witnessed multiple homicides having intrusive thoughts and severe anxiety, a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder was made. As the nurse is providing care, what is the initial priority? Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. The Remar nurses are divided today. I see every answer here. So this lets me know we indeed needed to go over this subject today. Because if you see this on NCLEX, you want to be confident that you're going in the right direction. And the way that you do that is understanding the condition, the cause, and how long it lasts, okay? So correct answer here is three, building the client's trust. Because what am I asking you for? When the nurse is providing care, what needs to be prioritized? In caring for clients with PTSD, it is important to initially establish a therapeutic relationship. You know in psych, I start off psych with therapeutic communication. You have to do that. And that's so important for the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, the NCLEX, they want you to understand that with psychiatric conditions, trust, the patient being able to trust you is always at the forefront, okay? You have to be able to establish a therapeutic relationship, establishing rapport with the client to gain and encourage cooperation is very helpful, okay? Because you're going to be asking that patient to do things that they don't normally do with people that they don't know. You're a stranger to them. So you have somebody with PTSD, probably intrusive thoughts, paranoia, anxiety, and you're gonna go in there and you're gonna say, here, take this cup of pills. Here, take this, take this medication. No way. You're never going to be able to provide care because that patient is going to be suspicious of you. 
Okay. Um, and so some of the, some of the distractors that I put on here that people fail for, um, number four, minimizing the cause of the intrusive thoughts. What does that mean? Are you able to do that? Is it for a nurse to even be able to attempt to do minimizing the cause of the intrusive thoughts? Nobody ever taught me how to do that in nursing school. I don't have the skills to do that. I know when I'm out of my professional scope, that's out of my professional scope. I'm not, I can't do it, okay? That's something that the person needs psychiatric help for. I can't do that. Reducing the client's paranoia. Again, out of my hands, okay? Especially if the person doesn't trust me. <laughs> you know, if the person does not trust me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not even just in psych. Any patient that you're dealing with, whether they have PTSD or renal failure, or this lady is about to have a baby, she needs to be able to trust that you know what you're doing and that you're there to help, okay? So um, number one, can't do it. Number four, can't do it. Two, preventing the client's avoidance. Can't do it, all right? We can't prevent a client from avoiding a situation. That's not what we're there for, okay? If a client wants to avoid something, they're going to avoid it. There's nothing you can do for that, all right? Um, and so you have to understand what your role is in very complicated situations. You gotta stay in your scope of practice, okay? So establishing rapport, building trust, that's something that you can do. You are able to do that. You have the skills to do that. All right. And so that's why I like to do these topics um, from the Quick Facts book, because some of us are audio visual learners and we can read something. But when we hear it explained or we're tested on it, it makes sense for us. So these classes are, are these classes are, are very important. I think they're super helpful, uh, which is why I commit two days out of my week to meet with you to do this. All right. I'm not trying to meet with you all every day. You guys should not have to do this every day. But um, being able to, to sacrifice two days out the week, I think, is reasonable. It's a reasonable expectation. Okay, let's try this one here. It says, and this, a female client with PTSD is taking ceritaline for a week now. She reports concern that the medication is not working the nurse's best response would be, number one, it's too early for the medication to take effect. Two, you'll benefit from another medication. Three, what makes you say that the medication is not working? Four, do you take it with food? Next-gen NCLEX is very tricky because of questions like this. When it comes to psychiatric nursing, remember this always. There's going to be a right answer, but there will also be a right answer that is therapeutic. 
okay? And a lot of you pick the answer that is factually right, but it is not therapeutic. So I'm gonna give you a second to change your answer to the one that is going to be most appropriate. And check the check the check what you're being asked here too. The nurse's best response. Okay. That means that there is more than one answer that could be right. Pick the better one. The nurse's best response is number what? It's number three. What makes you say that the medication is not working? We understand that when it comes to SSRIs and MAOIs, they take weeks to work. We know that as nurses. It's very easy for us to, to know that, right? But if we just say, number one, it's too early for the medication to take effect. What does that do to the conversation? Because, uh, uh, you know, there's several of us that pick number one because factually is right. Okay. It's too early for it to start working. But it absolutely stops, cuts off. Um, uh, does not, what are we, what are we supposed to do? It doesn't acknowledge the patient's feelings at all. Okay. And so for NCLEX, those type of answers will never be right. Even though technically they are right. Right. But they're never going to be right because a part of what you're supposed to do when you're providing care is do it in a therapeutic way. Okay, you're supposed to have a certain bedside manner. There's supposed to be an experience when a person receives care from a nurse. And if they don't have that experience, then we might as well just allow robots to take care of people. Because if you cannot connect emotionally with your patient, if you cannot provide care that is compassionate and allows the person to have integrity and dignity during the process, then you don't need to be a nurse, okay? Actually, you're not a nurse if you're treating people that way. And so I'm hammering in on this because this will translate into your real life. This goes beyond the NCLEX. When you have knowledge above somebody else, when you know more than somebody else, you can use your power to do good or you can use your power to harm other people, okay? And use it to make you feel good about yourself, but emotionally damaging the person that you come in contact with. And this happens all the time in nurses. Nurses do this with other nurses, so you know they doing it with patients, all right? Just because we know a lot of things that other people don't know does not give us a right to talk down to anybody or cut people off, all right? Or make them feel stupid for asking, even asking the question. All right, I'm gonna get off that hobby horse. I'm, I'm not riding that hobby horse anymore. The correct answer was number three, because this was the question that's 
that's open-ended and it allows our patient to speak, okay? Don't forget to smash that like button as well. That's true, that's true. <laughs> okay, all right, here's the final question. Check it out, check it out, is this. A client diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder is exhibiting symptoms of hyperarousal. Which intervention would be most appropriate for the float nurse to implement? Number one, teach the client the signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. Two, assess the client's treatment compliance. Three, initiate a group therapy session. Four, assist the client in practicing deep breathing exercises to promote relaxation. What are we gonna do here? This is question number five. This is question number five. And I'm asking you, What's the best thing for the nurse to do? Mm. Got a client diagnosed with post-traumatic. See, I can tell my regulars and I can tell new people, sometimes by the name. Like sometimes you you show up enough, I'll know your name. Um, but I can also tell for people who know my distractors because my distractors are pretty routine at this point. I'm using the same distractors. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to dress them up differently for you guys. Patient is exhibiting symptoms of hyperarousal. Which intervention would be most appropriate for the float nurse to implement? So we have, number one, teach the client the signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. Two, assess the client's treatment compliance. Three, initiate a group therapy session. Four, assist the client in practicing deep breathing exercises to promote relaxation, okay? Okay, so the correct answer here, because this is a very interesting presentation, I hope you guys picked up all the nuances of it, is to number four. Number four, assist the client in practicing deep breathing exercises to promote relaxation. The most important thing is to focus on the patient in this very moment and help bring the patient to the present. Hyperarousal can happen when the presence with the presence of triggering factors. It is important to maintain a calm and safe environment. Deep breathing exercises are commonly recommended relaxation techniques that can help counteract these psychological responses. Now, check this out because look what I did. I had the patient in the now, right? In the very right now, I had the patient exhibiting symptoms of hyperarousal, okay? So the patient was unstable. And then I paired that with a float nurse. So when somebody is a float nurse, what does that mean? It means they may not be specialized in the specific area. They may have come from a different place. So that also takes into account the limitations of that nurse. 
right? When you have a float nurse or when you have a new graduate nurse, you tend to trust them to do very routine things, things that all nurses know. All right. So number one, teach the client the signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. What, what, maybe the float nurse might not know that necessarily. Okay. Uh, number two, assess the client's treatment compliance. Float nurse, float nurse may be able to do that, but definitely not in this moment. Okay. Three, initiate a group therapy session. Absolutely not. Not the right time. Okay. All right. And what I did there is I used the word assess as a distractor because we know with the nursing process, your go-to as the first step is to assess. But is this a situation where assessment makes sense? What are you assessing? What are you assessing right now? I have here Assess the client's treatment compliance. That means, is the person doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are they taking their medication as ordered? Are they going to group therapy, right? Are they using the um, compensation mechanisms? This is not the time for that. The person is hyper arousal. They're hyper, they might be hyperventilating. They may be running around the room. They may be afraid. They may be hiding under the table. This is not the time to be like, Hey, did you take that medication? Are you going to group therapy? Did you read your treatment plan? Right. This is not the time for that. And so we have to make sure that we are um, reading these answers and really connecting with them because you have to see yourself with this patient in the room sometimes in order for it to make sense, all right? So the correct answer indeed was number four today. How did you do? Were you a safe nurse? It's a question that I like to ask. And that essentially means, did you have the knowledge because you studied to answer these questions correctly? I'm not asking you, did you have the knowledge because you're just some, you know, super smart, intelligent person. No, there is a connection to studying in order to increase your knowledge. It's not something I, you know, that's gonna just happen passively. And let me tell you this, just because you got good grades in nursing school does not mean that you're prepared for the NCLEX. We had two new graduates who had finished nursing school in December. And you know what they did? They took my NCLEX review right out of nursing school. There is a preparation process for the NCLEX exam that looks really different than what you have been using to study in nursing school. Even one nurse, she did the V2 in order to get through her exit exams. So if you find yourself not doing as well as you want it to do, it is a lack of content. That's it. And it's something that's, that's one of the easiest things you can fix. If you don't know something, one of the easiest things you can do is just study it. That's it. That's it. All right. Super easy to fix. All right. I have some more studying for you tonight. I'm in my Valentine's scrubs because it's love your content night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And let me give you the details of this class. You can find this class 
All right. You don't have to search high. You don't have to search low. I will be right here as you are watching me right now in the flesh. All right. God willing, I will be back on tonight. You can watch this on my YouTube channel. The class will begin at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are not in Eastern Standard Time, if you are in Central or West Coast or wherever you are, convert the time. Okay. You just Google it. Okay. Um, 8 p.m. Eastern time, I will start this class. The class will run about an hour-ish. So set aside that time to dedicate yourselves to your craft, okay? To dedicate yourself to your crafts. We're doing this today, tonight. I am confident you will learn some things. You will feel great about it. So much so that I'm doubling the portion, all right? Usually I do just a one-day event. I am doubling the portion. I am calling you back for tonight and tomorrow night as well. Same time, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're also doing a sale for the V2. Starts now. It will end on Friday. So this is the opportunity before those prices go back to the regular price. It's just a little quick Valentine's Day sale, a little love your content sale. Um, we also will be going through the, uh, we were going into the V2 tonight. So you will be able to see um, a lecture from the V2. You also be able to see some of the other um, improvements and functionalities that we have done for you in your NCLEX review. You can get your nursing license in 30 days or less with V2. So if you are indeed a new graduate graduating soon and or you have a test date coming up, V2 will help you get it done. If you are still in nursing school, we have extended, we have extended study plans for a three month and a six month in the V2, all right, a three month and a six month in the V2. I, I'll, I'll be taking some questions and answers from you all in just a bit, but I do need to do the second part of our class every week. This is something that we do. It helps us to stay grounded, to overcome a lot of our anxiety, and it helps us to not only focus on the physical, but our spiritual health as well. And so we're going to be doing after love, well, We'll do this before I love your content. <laughs> but our Monday motivation is the fruit of perseverance. Some of us need to understand that this journey is not given to the swift. It is given to those who can endure the challenges. And right now, today, you may be going through a big challenge where you are waiting and you are working for your prize. But let me tell you, what the Bible tells us about that. So just really quickly, we're going to be talking about Jacob. Jacob is an interesting character in the Bible. You can find him in the book of Genesis several times. But Jacob is, I love Jacob because he is essentially a changed man. Jacob had a brother. They were twins. I love to see medical things in the Bible. And Reading the story of how Rebecca had these two boys, um, one comes out, the other one comes out, like one is really hairy and ruggy and that's Esau. And then Jacob, you know, Jacob also is the younger brother that comes out. Jacob is a deceiver. He's a swindler. He's a liar. He ends up stealing his oldest brother's birthright. Okay. That's a whole different story. We're not going to get into that. But Jacob is a trickster. He 
he eventually, you know, he he turns his life over to God. He doesn't he doesn't want to go back to his ways, you know, of being a trickster. And this very thing happens to him. This is so interesting what happens to him. So anyways, Jacob is he's gone back home and he is back to essentially his uncle's hometown. And his uncle has two daughters. Um, he finds one and he loves one, right? He loves, he loves the daughter. All right. Her name is Rachel. Laban, his uncle had two daughters. The older of the two daughters, her name was Leah. The younger, her name was Rachel. Jacob was in love with Rachel. And so the dad is like, well, uh, you can marry her. What do you want for her? And then this blows my mind because Jacob says he loves this person so much. He loves this woman so much. He says, I will work for seven years to marry your daughter. I always thought that was what the dad had wanted. Like, you know, like the dad said, oh no, my daughter, you're going to work for seven years. Okay. And then you can marry her. No, it was Jacob himself giving that number. What is it about seven years? What is it? What is the number seven? Seven. He said, I'm going to work for seven years and then I'll be able to marry your daughter. What? So anyways, the dad is like, cool, you can stay here. You can work seven years. You can marry my daughter. But you know what? There's always a bigger trickster. You always think you're the best at doing something, but no, there's always somebody better. My mom used to tell me when I was little so that I wouldn't get a big head. Regina, there's always going to be somebody cuter than you. And that's the truth. Like you think you're doing it. Jacob was a Jacob was a trickster, but man, not until he met his own uncle. All right. And so um, anyways, Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man stay here with me. So Jacob worked and served for seven years to get Rachel. But the Bible does say it only seemed like a few days to him because he loved her so much. All right. Talk about love. Talk about Valentine's Day. However, on the wedding night, Laban deceived Jacob because he didn't send in Rachel into the marriage chamber. He sent in Leah and she must have been disguised and she must have been covered up because on the wedding night, he ended up being with Leah. And when he woke up, he realized what had been done to him. All right. The ultimate trick had been played on him. He got played. OK, because he broke up with the wrong woman. It was the ultimate catfish. OK. And he's like, what? What? And then Laban is like, OK, OK, OK. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I couldn't I couldn't give you Rachel because I can't, you know, I can't let the younger sister married before the older sister. So I had to give you the older sister. That's jacked up, man. And this is a lesson for you guys right now. Always get the terms in writing. You gotta put stuff in writing. I mean, because at the end of the day, he is with Leah now. So he had to 
agree to work for another seven years to get Rachel. Isn't that crazy? All right. So what's the takeaways from this story? But the, the good thing about it, let me give you the highlight. He did have to work for another seven years to get Rachel, but the dad let him marry her the next week. So he essentially got Rachel. Then he just had to work off the seven years. <laughs> if you want something, perseverance is the key. That's true. That's true. Sometimes you need the waiting in order to have the character that you need. All right. Because there are so many people in this world, okay, that are looking to deceive and trick you. And so you have to have the character in order to be able to stand amongst these people. Can you imagine if Jacob had not been a saved and sanctified person, what he could have done to his uncle after realizing that he had worked for seven years for something and got tricked? You know what I'm saying? And so the time and the struggle that you are in right now is helping you to, is helping you to develop a character, okay? And he just ended up with both wives. Like he ended up growing to love Leah. He ended up loving Rachel. And of course it caused some crazy dynamics between the two sisters. But at the end of the day, God's will that Abraham have all of these seeds all over was fulfilled because Jacob himself had what 12 sons because he had the two wives and they were just going back and forth having sons for him. Um, this story also makes me think of actually Christ. Okay. Um, because when we look at stories where people seemingly have been treated unfair, none was treated more unfair than Jesus the Christ. He literally did the same thing for you. Okay. You were the one that Christ worked for, died for, when he did not even have to do it. Right. Christ was tricked. Christ was um, lied on. He was cursed. He was spit upon for the one that he loved. And that's you and I. And so we can always, we can always look for Christ in every story of the Bible. Okay. Because he is the ultimate example. I like Jacob. You know, I like him in this story. He is somebody that is dealt mistreatment. He was tricked, but you know what? He said, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of this situation and I'm going to continue to persevere for the thing that I want. And that may be you too. Continue to persevere for the thing that you want because at the end of the day, you can end up with a double reward and a double blessing. I mean, the Bible does say that Jacob came to love Leah. And I believe that when he died, he asked to be buried next to Leah. All right. Wow. What a turn of events. All right. So this week, I want us to think of how we are loved, how much we are loved. If Jacob could work for seven years for something that he loved, what can you work for? 
okay? You love those babies in your house. You love your children. You love your parents. You love your spouse, all right? Are you willing to put in the work for them? Okay, are you willing to go above and beyond to persevere for that thing that you want to do? I think that you are, all right? I believe that you are. And so on tonight, we have another opportunity to work for the thing that we love. I'm talking about love your content. I'm talking about love your content. And if you enjoy this small part of a lecture that I do, I'm challenging you to go deeper, all right? Go deeper. This is just a small portion of my overall NCLEX review. How many people are in it? How many people have it? It's called the V2. People ask me all the time, what does V2 mean? This is the second version prepared for next-gen NCLEX, okay? My original virtual trainer is phased out. We are into the V2. Won't you try it out? Quick facts plus my lectures, that is how the job gets done. And we are doing our Valentine's week sale right now. You can do a quick start if you need to get your license within 30 days. Take the one month option. Go to remarnurse.com and join now. Let me upgrade you from the YouTube experience to the actual course. All right. You can also do the three month plan. Check out the price. All right. Original Original price is gone. We got, we got it down, not $200, $300, but you're getting my entire course for a 109. Or if you want to do an extended review, you have 169. I think somebody said, hey, how do I know? How do I know which one is right for me? I would say absolutely consider where you are in your journey, where you are in your journey. If you already have your ATT, ATT is authorization to test. You know what state board you are going to, right? You have all the requirements. You have your authorization to test. You have a test date is coming up or you're setting your test date. Do the one month option. Get in, do the program. All right, you can start watching the lecture videos immediately. I will send you the quick facts. It should come in about five days. All right, but you'll start the course. You'll wait for this book to come. And then you'll be able to continue on, do the program. Very simple and easy to do. All right. If you are just starting out with your journey, you may not have your ATT, but you know what you need to turn in to NCLEX. You have the $200 to pay for the test, right? And you know you're struggling with content. I love this. Sanjuya. Am I saying that right? Sanjuya. I wanted to come on here and say thank you for everything, Regina, with God's grace, your lectures, Mark's prayers. I can finally say I am a Remar nurse. Thank you, God, and thank you, Remar team. That's a happy post right there. More. Um, nurse Moliette, hi, Remar family. I give God the glory. You better, you better give him the glory when you get over this hump. You better give God the glory just like this. I took my NCLEX RN on Friday, on, no, on February the 8th, and to God be the glory, I passed. Indeed, to God be the glory. Eva, I took my NCLEX on Wednesday. Look at all these people. This is Monday motivation. This is it. I took my NCLEX on Wednesday, February 2nd, and passed 
with Remar. Real people that are passing this month right now. Won't you join them? Won't you join them? Big up, Nurse Richardson. Big up to Professor Regina Mark and Remar Crew. I'm giving God thanks. And I was passed in ClexRN February 7th. Thanks to, what is it? This is my secret sauce. People want to know how it gets done. How do I teach people from all over the world? Doesn't matter where you come from, where you graduated, when you graduated. Thanks to V2 and Quick Facts. I appreciate this review so much, so much, so much, so much. Wow. February, March testers get into the V2. This is the way to do it. Please go to remarnurse.com if you want to know more about me, my program, how to join it. It's all there for you. And by God's grace, we will be back tonight. Love your content. It is going down tonight. Don't miss it. I'm starting this class on time. Have your workbooks ready. Have your pens, pencils. We're going to roll. I'm just going to go right into it. I'm not going to delay. You're going to take report. It's going to give seven days of NCLEX vibes, okay? That's what I'm telling you. So if you are ready to join me tonight, I'll see you tonight at 8 p.m. Everyone, have a wonderful day, and we will reconvene on tomorrow. Bye-bye.